Each week, we get the inside scoop from industry leaders in marketing, social media, and influencers. Follow along on their journey. This is the Follow Me Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Follow Me Podcast. I'm Allie and I'm here with Cole. And you know how this works. Cole, tell us your Follow Me of the Week. All right. My Follow of the Week this week is someone he's super funny. He's actually Brad Goreski's husband. Oh. His name is Gary Janetti, and he's a writer. He's hilarious, but he has this Instagram account where he writes as if he's Prince... Charles. No. Charles? Who's the kid? Prince Harry. Prince... No. <laughs> George. 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 Prince George. Prince George. No, that was good. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Natalie, our producer extraordinaire. Prince. Actually, I think I've heard of this account. It's hilarious. Everyone should follow it. It's just Gary Janetti, but he, like, hates on Meghan Markle. Like, the, oh. it's really funny. Like, because okay. he thinks that Prince George thinks she's tacky. So, oh. Yeah, it's funny. Okay. Who's yours? Um, mine is Julie. I don't even know how to say it. Julie Houts? Houts? It's Julie Loren on Instagram. <laughs> We're really struggling. I know. I don't know how to say anything or do anything today um but she makes these really cool like illustrations and then like adds like really funny humor to them oh you you've know what I'm talking sending about me her stuff mm-hmm. for years yeah, yeah yeah um I think she used to work at J Crew, and then like she's just a really cool yeah. illustrator but it is so funny like really relatable for like a millennial female yeah but it's at Julie Lauren L-O-R-E-N and Julie like J-O-O-L-E-E <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get into our guest. Let's do it. Um, she's amazing. Um, we always say they're amazing, but that's because they truly are. Yep. She's a friend of our company. She does all the things. So we're excited to have you, Rachel. Let's get into this. Let's learn something. All right, so today's guest is a cool Aussie, um, but other than that, she's a creative director of Majoral, which you I canceled it. <laughs> I did it, I did it, I did it. Um, she is the VP of Influencer Marketing at Click, which includes Who What Where, My Domain, Birdie. Um, she's been featured in Forbes. She is basically one of the ladies in the industry that has founded the influencer marketing trend and really owned it. Um, so we're super excited to have her here today. Welcome, Rachel Zellick. Thank you. That's so sweet. I'm so excited. (laughs) I just like love, I'm just a total geek when it comes to this stuff. I love influencer marketing. So I'm just like so excited that people will talk to me about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I am too. We all are. It's so good. We should do this every day. Exactly. Um, So we want to know like a little bit about your professional journey. Like how are you the VP of influencer marketing at one of the largest media companies in the world? Around 2006. 2007, I was still in college. I was studying marketing and law. I was doing a law degree. Mm -hmm. And I used to travel all the time to Europe in our like winter break. We would get like six weeks off. My mom worked for an airline. Mm. So I would pack my suitcase. Oh, so fun. (laughs) I would pack my suitcase to my last exam, just like get on the first flight and head off to Europe. Even if I could only afford to eat like a piece of bread for six weeks. Like I would do it every year. I would spend, you know, probably like two months throughout college. I would spend two months in Europe and I would come back to Australia with the sickest wardrobe because at the time in Australia, we didn't have a high street. We didn't have anything like Zara mm-hmm. or H&M or anything like that. Um, we had Australian designers who were amazing, but really expensive. We had, you know, like Sass and Bide and that kind of yeah. thing, but it's 
$400 for a cute dress and none of my friends in college could afford that. Or we had high street that just wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like 20. I was just like, had no clue what I was doing, but I was like, ah, oh, I'm just going to start a clothing line. Like I, there's nothing I really want to shop that I can afford. And so I'm just going to do this. So basically started a clothing line. Um, literally I knew no one who worked in fashion. I Googled like factories and (laughs) yeah and like (laughs) what is a season I think I was just like green yeah um and long story short started this label called style stalker and this was really around the time that blogging had just begun so there was only like a handful of girls Rumi Neely Mm -hmm. um Jerry because I'm addicted like Natalie and Delana Suarez, Mm -hmm. Omi Song, like Liz, Late Afternoon, like those OG girls. It was, you know, you could probably count them on your fingers. Um, But that was a huge inspiration behind starting the label of things that were inspired by real girls, not like runway or some abstract like oh I went to an art gallery and so what I went to the opera and and this chord like resonated with me and I made this dress like that's bullshit am I like that's that's bullshit like that's not where you were inspired really so um so I started this line inspired by the girls uh and also inspired by like online shopping had just Mm -hmm. just started to become a thing um so naturally it was sort of this community at the time where naturally I would just reach out to the girls and be like hey I've got this clothing line I really like what you do do you like what I do like let's be friends let's like do you want some clothing and at the time none of them were getting paid they weren't even really being gifted um, it just seemed natural. And yeah. so it was probably, I was accidentally, you know, like one of the first brands actually like gifting them product. Wow. Um, and just from that, I guess I grew really amazing relationships with the influencer community. Uh, it just became friends with a lot of the girls and it's been so cool that I've seen their business journey over the last. You've been with them along the way. Exactly. Yeah. But I, so I've always been like friends with them, like crashing in their free hotel that they got like to go to fashion week in the early days. And we were just like so excited for a free drink. And like, that was amazing. (laughs) Um, So seeing it from that perspective, but because I've always been on the brand side, I've always looked at it from the brand's perspective as well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when they're like having a tantrum about something they don't understand, I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, what you don't get is like, there's someone on the other side who needs Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z to keep their job or to make this campaign a success. So Um, so I had Style Stalker and then I moved with that company over to the U.S. six years ago. Um, basically the, the U.S. sales were like doubling every season and it just felt like a, but we weren't here to look after it. So it just felt like a baby without a mom here. Mm -hmm. Um, so my business partner at the time, she stayed in Sydney and I moved over here to do the U.S. side of the business and the marketing because all the influencers are based here. Um, and then from here started another brand, the Jet Set Diaries. Um, Which I also love. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. Like, That was like, of oh, my career, that was a, definitely a highlight. That was so cool because with, so, so Style Stalker, whilst it was inspired by online shopping and everything like that, it really was a wholesale business. We started to wholesale and that just t- took over. And once you're in that sort of loop of mm-hmm. wholesale, 
it can lose its creativity a little because mm-hmm. you're listening to buyers and you're right, like what, they, mm, want. what yeah. they want and like half your styles have to be basically a version of what you did last season that worked and that kind of thing. Um, and then with Jet Set, it was amazing because I had the infrastructure all set up, but I just did like the, my dream collection that I wanted to amazing. do, you know, without yeah. thinking about um, – what buyers would want or anything like that. And the irony is when you don't care what people think is often when you create the best work, right? So I just, I loved um, those first couple of collections with Jet Set Diaries and it got off to a really strong start. The first, I think the first season already outdid Style Stalker that was a five-year-old business. So yeah, so it was was cool um, to just, yeah, I loved that. And then Style Stalker and Jet Set Diaries were really uh, two of the best-selling brands on Revolve. So I started to chat to Raisa, who's mm-hmm. the chief brand officer at Revolve, um, and Michael, and basically, long story short, they were like, fuck that, come over here, <laughs> let's do something together. Yeah. So it was like a very tough decision for me to like leave my babies. I didn't know you know, if that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But um, equally at that point I'd sold half the company to we had outside investors and that wasn't going well. Mm. Um, So I decided to make the leap and started Majorelle. Originally my job was to launch a bunch of their portfolio brands. Okay. So when I joined they only had three. It was um, MBD, Lovers and Friends and Tularosa. Mm. And then my job was to create sort of brand identities for new brands that they were launching, which is like my absolute favorite thing to do because you can Mm -hmm. consider all touch points um, from the marketing is just as important as the designs, as the, you know, social media strategy, et cetera. Um, So that was my original job. And then I launched Majorelle with them, which I fully designed. And then I kind of like worked more on Majorelle and not. Yeah, and so do you have ownership in that brand? I have um, a consulting deal now. Okay, got it. Because I recently left full-time doing Majorelle and and went to Click. Okay. Yeah, so So I've jumped around a bit. too, to leave. Exactly. I feel like people are like, you're crazy. Why would you ever leave Revolve? It's like such a a huge company. It's doing so well. Like, what was your decision to make that leap? I mean, and – Revolve is still such an amazing company. I learned so much. I think that they're just such a smart team because they keep it simple. The, mm-hmm. the brilliance is in the simplicity. Yeah. I think a lot of marketing teams I come across try to overcomplicate things. And mm-hmm. the thing with Revolve is like they just do it. They do their best yeah, and they do it rather than sitting around and talking about it and making plans for 12 months and like right. never doing it because they're afraid it won't be perfect. Like a lot of things weren't perfect all yeah. the time, but they were still great. And to the outside eye, they probably seemed perfect. Perfect, you know? yeah. right. <laughs> um, so at Revolve, I split my time between design and marketing mm-hmm. and absolutely loved it. I think Ultimately, though, when you are entrenched in design, it's like a screaming baby that always wants your attention. Mm-hmm. So whilst there could be something super cool going on on the um, on the marketing side of things, 
if there was like a button out of place on the design side of things, I was getting pulled back in there. Okay. Um, and also at the time they were launching more lines and needing more support in a design capacity. So as well, they were bringing my skills to design for other lines again, which mm-hmm. wasn't, um, you know, wasn't, I was more interested in a path more along the marketing lines okay. than mm-hmm. design. And I knew if I didn't sort of if I didn't like remove myself from that immediate, like being in every single fitting, like dealing with factory emails, like all of that, I wouldn't really grow as a person. Like I was loving it. It was easy for me, but it was the same job that I'd been doing for 12 years at that point. Yeah. You were ready for like the next challenge. Exactly. So, um, click approached me really to head up their influencer marketing for their brands. Um, my domain, who, what, where, and Birdie, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but also to work with all their media partners. So we work with everyone from like Gucci to Macy's. Mm. Um, and those relationships started as sort of media relationships. Then they grew a little bit to like branded content that included influencers. Mm-hmm. And then with me coming on board and the aim was really to service those clients Sometimes now they come to us just straight up for influencer solutions. They don't even necessarily want media or they buy media separately or they do something with us for influencer and buy media later. But um, the click opportunity was really exciting to me because it was an opportunity to work across a variety of different brands and really um, just sort of be full-time in a marketing role. Mm -hmm. And now I consult for Madrell. So I'm still on as a consultant creative director um, but so you have a full-time job and you're consulting. Yes. Wow. So yes. are you just like nonstop always working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I realized recently, I had a couple of weddings this summer and for one of them, I didn't have a, there wasn't a Majorelle dress that I wanted to wear. So I was shopping for a dress and it took me longer to shop for a dress than it takes me to design a collection. No. <laughs> Truthfully. And so I was like, oh, you know what? Like this second job actually saves me time and yeah. Makes me money instead of spending money. So I was like, that's perfect. It's <laughs> a good way to look yeah. at it. Um, I love that. So you moved to Click. I'm super familiar yes. with like your team. Yes. And I think it's interesting. And I'm sure not many people know your influencer part of yeah. the business. You call it the inf network you have. INF. INF yep. network. Yep. Um, and we work with you guys on mm. the talent we represent. Yes. So you send us tons of brand deals with exactly. like Laura Mercier and Nordstrom and like all sorts of really cool things. Um, so you led that and kind of launched that program at it, Click? It was already existing when I got there. Um, I probably just sort of strengthened it as mm-hmm. it's almost like an in-house agency that totally. can like stand yeah. on its own feet. So um, it was Definitely already there and up and running and you've met my team are amazing. Yeah. Um, they grew it, you know, over a couple of years. And then I came on just to essentially like really strengthen it and to go in with the sellers and who are typically were selling media to go in alongside them and start really selling influences as a big deal mm-hmm. rather than I think before maybe for some clients it was a bit of an afterthought. Like 
hey, we're buying a story on who, what, where, let's put an influencer in it. Mm-hmm. Now we can go in with a lot of strategies that are really like influencer-led. Yeah. And we that. have clients who come to us. For yeah. That. We worked with you on a campaign. It was um, with who, what, where and Kendra Scott. Yes. And they went to Amangiri. Yeah. Do you remember that? Were you there That then? was before my time. Oh, yeah, okay. But- okay. Colin on that yeah, trip too. Yeah, yeah she was but, the content creator, like the photographer for yeah. it. I'm amazing. Yeah, I'm dying to get Yeah, so we work with me. you guys all the time. You have a great team and it's, you really are like leaders yeah. in all of that. And now you see, I mean, obviously like Hearst does this, Condé Nast mm-hmm. now has like influencer marketing teams. And I think that's so interesting. Do you see more like publishers yes. going in that route? Yes, I see a lot of publishers going in that route. Um you know, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think they're a little later to the game. So when I see what they're doing, it feels maybe a little what we were doing a couple of years ago. Um, but I think that that's not that's not the area I see our strongest competition, to be honest. Okay, I think in the publisher space, we're pretty strong. And I think that publishers face the same challenges we probably face, which can be that we're working with media agencies and that's fantastic because media budgets are typically higher than PR yeah. uh, budgets or influencer budgets or anything like that. But on the flip side, the downside of it is that you're working with these really big old school companies that don't always necessarily fundamentally understand influencers. So sometimes it's just like a bit of red tape, mm-hmm. you know, getting through that when you're working, when essentially your client is the media company. Got it. Yeah. And do you see these media companies or the brands doing buys with you? Like, what do they want now? Like, is it data driven? Like, are they asking for ROI? And yeah. has that been challenging? And yes. how have you overcome that? Yeah. Um, it's really data driven. We're all on top of that. That's, um, we subscribe to a bunch, we use a bunch of different technologies. You guys probably do too, like Creator IQ, We just did a demo for Creator IQ and then there's Hyper and then there's another one. Yeah. So you like Creator IQ? I like it, but it's expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it can be, but it's it's expensive. So (laughs) exactly. So I would say like do your due diligence and check them all out, keeping the pricing in mind because Creator IQ is great, but it's expensive and it's all about how much you put into it as well. So it right. can pull the data, but you have to get the influencers authenticated Got to authenticate it. with it. So that comes back to relationships. Mm. And then we use it as a database system. So we'll get like weird requests. Um, I love it actually. It's it's fun and challenging, but we'll have a client come to us say like, hey, we're looking for like a woman with two kids who works in tech who has like a side hobby of DJing. And we're like, oh, yeah. and your team like will yeah. email us those things. Yeah, like, like, who has two dogs and lives in Chicago <laughs> and is also interested in getting married in the next year. It's like, what do you mean interested in getting married in the next year? <laughs> exactly. It's like the most like obscure thing. It's so obscure. So yeah. we we get these obscure requests. Um, but we have we've input six and a half thousand influences into that database on Creator IQ, and we have them fully tagged. So we can, for the most part, pull up the tag dogs and Chicago cool. and okay. probably not interested in camera yeah. because what yeah. does that mean? But like engaged, we <laughs> yeah, would have yeah. to tag. Um, or newly married. Yeah. Um, so we use the database for that. But okay. to your earlier question, I think the real trend right now is, is brands asking for ROI yeah. and sell-through information, which 
is harder to quantify. It's not a, a hard number as is, you know, all the other kind of data points are like she has a 3% engagement rate. She uh, has a split 80% female followers, 20%. Like those are pretty concrete numbers. Right. Um, but I think it is challenging the ROI and the sell-through is challenging because there are so many factors that go into play with it. Right. Um, cheaper products sell through, and you know, you would know all of it, yeah. but like yeah. cheaper products tend to sell through more than more expensive products. Um, just different things sell for different people or there's also stock levels. Again, I know from being on the brand side or the retailer side, like an influencer could do an amazing job. If we only have 10 of those dresses in stock, she can only sell 10, 10 dresses. Yeah. Um, so that's where we, you know, we try to give the information as much as we can, but it's a little bit more anecdotal and it's a little bit more, um, you know, we, we try to put it into a context and we also try to explain this kind of marketing is not about a one for one return, which I think a lot of people sort of still want to see, but it's not. It, that's not what it's about. You right. can have all these different KPIs, um, but that probably, I mean, that can be your KPI, but then again, it's going to affect the type of influencer you work with. So another challenge is sometimes brands, you say like, what's your KPI? Do you want sell-through? Do you want brand awareness? Do you want to grow your audience? Do you want position? What is it that you want? And they kind of like, we want it all. Totally. And you're like, Always. Yeah. Always. You're like, well, that doesn't, that's not the same person. Like someone who's going to give you awareness may not give you as much sell through, mm-hmm. um, vice versa. So I think, yeah, the sell through thing's challenging. Um, we and- always try and tell brands like, okay, yeah, sell through's great. The new yeah. followers are great, but it's also alignment and it's also yeah. content. Yeah. Like you're mm-hmm. getting exactly. a piece of content that you can yeah. repurpose yeah. for social or an email and like, Content is so expensive. Hire a so photographer, expensive. get a model. Like yeah. for a brand, that stuff is so expensive where you so can just expensive. utilize an influencer to create it for yeah. you. Well, that's how I explain influencers to people who don't understand influencers, which it's amazing how many people out there in the regular world still don't <laughs> understand this. They're like, well, what is this? This is, oh, so she just gets paid to post a picture of herself oh, yeah. in a note. You're like, like yeah. slamming <laughs> my head against the wall. But I'm like, just think of it like, She's an entire magazine in one person. Like mm-hmm. she's the model, often the photographer. She's I love the, that. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. the distribution network as well. So you're not paying in an entire crew to shoot a model. And then you have to pay separately to put those ads somewhere. Place them. Yeah. Place them. And you're placing them in a spot that doesn't necessarily resonate. Mm-hmm. Like if you are placing the content of an influencer on the influencer channel. There's no more engaged audience versus like, exactly nine times out of 10, someone who would pick up a magazine wouldn't know who that person is Mm -hmm. in the ad or whatever. So it's, it's just very similar to old school marketing in a way. It's just like a lot more efficient. Totally. Cause yeah, as you said, it's, I'm sure people ask you this all the time. They ask me this all the time and and they're like, is this going anywhere? Is this ending anytime soon? I'm like, first of all, I hope not because I built a business on this. Yeah. But I mean, do, I mean, I'm sure people ask you. And what all do you say time. to that? I'm like, honey, it's just the beginning. I know. That's <laughs> what I think too. I think too. Like we're on this like uphill climb with yeah. it. And I think people and consumers and brands and everyone in the industry is kind of 
we're kind of getting sick of certain things. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of like repeats and a lot of people copying each other. And yeah. I think that's all going to weed itself out. I agree. And the people who are authentic and like actually doing cool stuff. Totally. And like have a voice are going to like, you know, rise up from it. But it's so saturated. And I think there's this like whisper in everyone's ear. Like, is this ending? Is this all going to collapse mm-hmm. on us? Like, mm-hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I get that all the time. People are like, oh, this, what's next? This will be around totally. for much longer. I'm like, no, no. Like, yeah. this is just the beginning because for a few reasons. Firstly, all these old school companies are just at the beginning of getting on that bandwagon. And I have contact with a lot of those companies because, you know, we work with some of the bigger, bigger old school companies. Mm-hmm. So, Influencer is relatively new to them. So, A, there's so much growth in companies who are shifting dollars away from traditional media into influencer. I still see a huge amount of growth there. Um, But secondly, I think that in the future, you basically have to be an influencer to do almost any other job. Mm -hmm. So now if you're an actress, they look at your social following. If all the new brands really, for the most part, new brands that are launching, clothing brands that are launching are based off influencer. Mm -hmm. Um, You're like models. They have to get. They have to. Exactly. Um, Honestly, kind of even in my job as like a, I'm a creative director and I'm on the other side of marketing, but you, people like, still look at my social like they still look at your social they just want to like know who you are I totally and we're seeing that more we had a guest last night in who is um, a hairstylist and he is an influencer and he's building his brand like I own a communications company and I'm doing speaking engagements and I'm thinking about my social media exactly like in this world of like everyone's thinking about how they influence exactly through their channels Mm -hmm. exactly to be completely frank, that part is the only part about the industry that kind of really annoys me because I have utmost respect for influencers and yeah. everything they yeah. do, but I also mm-hmm. feel like it should be a valid choice to just want to be a hairdresser and yeah. not have to do right. that yeah. as well because it yeah. really is a, a different job. Totally. Um, you know, and I've it's always a lot of want, pressure to do like a, all, both yeah. of them and do I both agree. of them well. I agree. I get so overwhelmed with like my personal Instagram. Same. And I'm like, this is so, this is so much. Same. Like I've always like wanted to be on the other side of things, but then I'll go to a client meeting and I've prepared like a massive and amazing plan for them. And they don't want to talk about that. They want to just talk about my vacation I was just on and who I was with and what I was, and like, it's all about Instagram. And, yeah you know, I should be grateful. I'm like, cool, I'd rather sit here and talk about yeah. Lee yeah. Shaw. Like, let's talk about, I'll give you re- restaurant recommendations. But yeah. I do think it's a bit, it's a bit, it, it just feels a bit strange at the moment that mm-hmm. you really have to be an influencer, I think, to um, to launch anything successful. I think back to my first business that I launched, Style Stalker, um, that really it was so lucky. It gained a lot of success very quickly. I don't think I would have the same trajectory and the same success with that today mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, there's a lot more in the marketplace in that space, but because I'm not an influencer, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not launching it as an influencer line, I don't think it would have that same success. Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting 
Yeah. yeah. Sorry to be cynical, but no. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you see, like, look at like the biggest beauty brands or look at the biggest brands. Like you have KKW Beauty or, you know, Summer, Summer Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all so influencer driven. And then it you is. even look at like a Sephora is like putting yep. so much attention on founder, yep. you know, profile companies yep. and putting their faces in Sephora and on the kiosks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, you never really saw you that never before. saw that. Especially yeah. in like the beauty space, especially, yeah. yeah. And I think Summer Fridays is such an amazing example because it's not just popular because they had a platform. It's that, you know, they really used everything that they had learned and their ability to talk to the community mm-hmm. to launch a truly incredible product. I think mm-hmm. as much as we've said, you know, influencer lines are going to be the future, if you launch a shitty product, by gone like the brilliance of summer friday is that their product is so on point along with everything else um and that you know i'm sure came from them trialing millions and millions of products and um and having those conversations day to day with so many beauty brands okay so i'm wondering from a creative perspective when like what what are your thoughts on when a brand is super directive with an influencer comes to them has this whole creative brief about like here's you know how you hold the bottle or how you hold the product here's yeah. what you should you know what the background should be all this what are your thoughts on like brands giving such clear directives is that something you guys do yeah we absolutely do we give pretty tight guidelines mm-hmm. but on my end before those creative briefs are put together i'm always pushing the brand to build the creative concept with the influencer wherever possible. So in your dream scenario, you have a brand that's on board with that idea and you actually build a creative idea with the influencers because I'm always saying like, if you have such a rigid idea of what you want, why aren't we just hiring a model for this? Like Mm -hmm. you've got to let the influencers' creativity shine and they know their audience better than anyone else. And ultimately, they're creative. So let's, like, use their creative brain. It's there. Mm -hmm. They want to make the post better and more creative. It's in their best interest. We want all the best creative minds on this campaign. Like, why wouldn't we just get the influencers involved from the start? So wherever possible, I try to include the influencers. Sometimes, usually, actually, the way a campaign is nutted out we don't always have the exact influences in mind. We have mm-hmm. sort of like this is what it's going to be. Profile, yeah. The profile. Uh, what did I say before? The girl, <laughs> the girl with two dogs from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that we then have to work backwards and slot in. Um, so I think as well that's where it's helped me with my background and knowing all the girls and just being able to put my hat on and think like them mm-hmm. has really helped me if we can't get their voices directly in the briefing process I can think like they do and I I know a what they're going to want to do and b what's going to perform a bit better versus you know you don't all brands always want a product, like the the actual product, left, right and centre, like mm-hmm. with the label v- clearly visible, like hold this face cream in front of your face and it's like that's not always what it works best. Right. Um, so in our case we try to make the, the – we try to take that all into account um, but then we do have a pretty tight brief just because the brief is almost like your contract with the influencer. So – 
I think there's a lot of influencers who are amazing and their creative take on it might be amazing and sell more product, but there may be influencers who want to get creative in a way that doesn't sell more product or, you know, um, they're wearing a dress but they tuck it in so it looks like a top, but that's just not how Mm -hmm. the brand wants that to be. So I think that the uh, creative deck is really a safety net for both sides to Mm -hmm. be on the same page before the content's shot because you never want to do a reshoot. Mm -hmm. But reshoots happen. They happen. We've been part of many reshoots. (laughs) And it's stressful for everyone, the you guys, the agency, the brand, the influencer, the photographer, and there's obviously a disconnect with so many hands in the pot trying to figure this Mm -hmm. out. Um, And that happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about that when that happens? I I mean, it's an expense to the influencer. Totally, totally. They have to hire a photographer again. It's their time. Yeah, no, it's a lot. I mean, obviously, like, I think if there's no brief in place, I'm like, whoa, red flag. Like, one of the parties here doesn't know what's going on or how to do this properly. Yeah. So I think we always want a brief in this Mm -hmm. partnership and that really helps. But even with a brief, things happen. Um, But I have the perspective of like the brand side too. So like I get it, you know what I mean? But it's frustrating. Well, every brand's different too. Like Like some some brands brands don't care if their product's in focus. They really want it to be. And those are the brands I feel like you're talking about that maybe allow a little bit more creativity or, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It is. It is. Uh, another thing, so something I always suggest, which again, love to know your thoughts on coming more from the talent perspective, but I always recommend to over deliver. I mean, it's, it's black and white. Like we are an agency. We have, as I said, six and a half thousand girls, amazing girl, girls and some guys in our mm-hmm. database. And truly we're going to choose the influencers for a job that make us look good. Mm-hmm. And if you over deliver and post two posts instead of one, that makes us look like rock stars. And then we're going to, you're going to be the first person we call next time we have a campaign. So my advice is to over deliver. I understand like the, that's you know, really good advice. yeah, no, that's really good advice. It's so competitive. That, it's so competitive. I think that's just a very easy way to get in there. Um, and then to the point of the brief and creativity, I always recommend do one post that's exactly per the brief and exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then do an extra post that shows your creativity. Hmm, and then like you can that. always go back to the brand and say like, hey, like actually look at the numbers. I got way more engagements. I got all these like DMs, for example, asking off the basis of this second post where I showed a bit more of my creativity. So smart. Why don't we work on something together that's more along these lines or we Mm -hmm. can come up with an idea together and let's do more things together. And that gives you another touch point to communicate and Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Exactly. And then both sides are happy. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're super happy. You did what you were asked because I think it's always like, just firstly, sometimes people just in life want you to do what you're asked. Yeah. Um, so you've done that, you've checked that off, and then you got to express your creativity and hopefully that's going to lead to more work together. So, so smart. smart. Who yeah. are some of your favorite content creators, influencers right now in the in whatever space, I guess? We mentioned her before, but Mariana Hewitt is so professional. She always over delivers, she goes the extra step. For example, we did something with her with Who What Wear and Bumble. She was wearing Who What Wear collection outfit and she pulled out notable comments. So, she, for example, she highlighted, um, hey, Jessica Alba 
wrote, I love these pants. I know you guys have a relationship with Jess. Like you should send her these pants. It's just a little thing like that. Wow. That's just going that extra step that really, I was, I'm, it's just. That's interesting. I really like that. Yeah. Like for like a report that a she report. would have done. Okay. Exactly. Not just the normal stats and stuff, yeah. but that like anything that's helpful or useful mm-hmm. or interesting mm-hmm. to a brand. Um, I love that. And I just love girls like that as well, who just, they're business women and yeah. like they really are so professional. She over delivers mm-hmm. and we'll book her all the time. I love from like a business case study. I love um, what Brittany Xavier has been doing the past mm-hmm. couple of months. Cause I feel like she, in a time when people are kind of stagnant and even going backwards in followers, mm-hmm. she's growing and I think what's so interesting about it is that she um was a much more you know her aesthetic was much more every girl yeah she's on a full one and she used to tell like she told us remember she was we were talking about her she's brilliant yeah and how she even goes about running her yeah her blog and her Instagram but she was telling us she strategically would only shoot iPhone and like exactly. she was very intentional about that, but she obviously made a switch a and switch. I, now but she's in this like high-end fashion yeah, world. Yeah, she's not like exactly. Chanel, Cruise. Where she's literally and she's like, like two years ago, what was it, Forever 21? Exactly. It's crazy how But I evolved. think what's so cool is that she didn't alienate her audience in mm-hmm. the process. A yeah. lot of girls want to go high-end and that's not what their audience wants and they don't take their audience with them on mm-hmm. that journey and they like they lose their original yeah. audience and mm-hmm. I think what Brittany did so brilliantly is she sort of made that change but she stayed really connected to her old audience and she brought them along mm-hmm. and so now she can kind of straddle both worlds yeah. and is like killing it at both worlds I could yeah. still you could probably still book her for, okay, maybe not Forever 21, but I would still book her for Macy's yeah. and I would book her for She was on an Chanel. eBay yeah. commercial. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. And I Crazy. think that's really, I think there's not that many influencers who have that kind of breadth. I think totally. she's a good example, though, of someone who's authentic. Like if you watch yeah. her stories and stuff, she just, it's her and her husband and her daughter and mm-hmm. she's she does a really good job at yeah. Just yeah. She's herself. also just a really nice, nice person. person. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, like, yeah. 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 Um, nice people. It yeah. really... It gets you so far in the business to just I know. be nice. This like- is what we talked about in another <laughs> podcast, but it's so true. And like an industry that's so cold, like mm-hmm. be warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I say this every time. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it resonates a little yeah. bit. And I need to work on it too. I think we all do, but cold us. <laughs> um, okay. Nice. So we ask this <laughs> every episode. Um, what is your viral moment? Okay, so I think my most viral moment happened a couple of months ago. I was on my friend Kiara's bachelorette party. She's the blonde salad. You oh, probably all know casual. That. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We were all um, in Ibiza for her bachelorette and having an amazing time all weekend, just a bunch of like smart, awesome women and dudes, like just having a great weekend. And on the last day, this article came out in an Italian newspaper, the biggest newspaper in Italy. Um, basically saying that we all her friends were fat. <gasps> and at first, my first reaction to it was honestly just to, like, laugh it off mm-hmm. and, because I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm the closest thing to being even merely curvy. All these girls are so thin. This is insane. And my second reaction was to kind of, like, downplay it because I didn't want it to ruin Kiara's weekend. But then I thought about all the women reading it who 
don't have that like confidence and right. context. And I got really, really, really mad. Um, so I did this post basically just saying, you know, basically I was showing like an unflattering picture of myself with like my tummy hanging out, but like having in a bikini, like having a great time. And I just wrote this post that was just very like strong, not at all a victim, just mm-hmm. saying like, just remember that your weight doesn't make you happy. Like I'm mm-hmm. the curviest one of the bunch and I'm, so I have like kind of an extra responsibility to say your weight doesn't define you. It doesn't make you yeah, happy. Right. And like, that's not a, what a woman's all about. Mm-hmm. There's a million things they could have said about us, um, you know, and yet the fact that all they wanted to talk about was our weight and the article was, you know, going into like the shape of our bums no. and like that, you know, um, who had gained weight and who had lost weight and, and, yeah, it was just ridiculous. It was tacky. Yeah. yeah. And tacky. honestly, like, I've had negative comments before and usually my my reaction to all things negative in life is like, just don't give it energy. I just block it out. Yeah. I'm like, haters going to hate or kill them with kindness, you know? Like, if people ever say mean things, I'll just say something really nice back to them and then, like, they convert. Yeah. But I felt differently about this because it was a professional journalist and a newspaper. And so many people are reading that, like and you said, like exactly. young women. Yeah. Exactly. So I just posted um, something that was really positive. I didn't want to seem weak or like a victim at all. I was just like, mm-hmm. I love myself. I love this little tummy that I've been eating pasta all, <laughs> you know, all summer in Italy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm confident. But you shouldn't say this to people because it's no one's business. Yeah. So that was like a mini viral moment. It was cool how many people and a good just message. Yeah. connected with that. And, you know, it was insane how many, there's like thousands and thousands of women commented and DM'd me and they were like saying how they had read that article and felt so shit and thought, oh, my God, if these girls are being shamed, like how am I ever going to go to the beach this summer in a bikini? And it was just like touching I was literally crying nonstop for three days I was flying back from Aww. Spain through England and and back to LA and every time I could like get wi-fi I was like reading these dms girls were dming me like I haven't been I haven't been to the beach in years and now I finally feel like I can and wow. I was just like that's incredible it's yeah. a really good one so basically yeah. thank you to the paper for giving you that yeah. opportunity yeah honestly again like I always like to be glasses half full but my take on it was like, I'm so glad that they picked on us because we could defend ourselves. Um, and hopefully that's going to stop at least that newspaper from doing something mm-hmm. like that again to someone who maybe can't. Did they ever themselves. apologize or anything? They amended the article twice. First, they like changed it to like, I don't know, it was like from fat to athletic. Then they just like, <laughs> yeah, then they just like removed it altogether, but they never apologized. Oh, really. uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Clickbait, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. So on the flip, what would be a moment that you would unfollow yourself? I think I would unfollow myself for any of the posts where I've let the post or taking a picture get in the way of my real life. Hmm. So if I'm like having an amazing day on the beach with my fiance and I like I think we all do. Like, again, I'm not an influencer, but even my non-influencer friends, you get this anxiety, like, 
I haven't posted a picture. I've been on vacation for like three days and I haven't like posted a picture. I'll feel that anxiety creeping in and it's stupid. And it'll sometimes, if I'm going to be honest, like ruin my day or ruin Mm -hmm. a couple of hours. So any time where I've posted what might seem like a great shot of like Mm -hmm. me on vacation or on the beach or whatever, but the background to that has been it. like to get it has been like a fight with my fiance yeah. he's, like, say, like, he's like my boyfriend's not talking to me right he's now literally the like, he literally takes like two photos and then he's like done I'm like no you don't understand like girls need like 200 shots to get those shots um so when I look at that and you know what I mean we probably all yeah. have them on our feed where you remember you're like Oh, yeah, I really. <laughs> Took that one a little too far. I did that one a little too far. And, and those ones I, I kind of regret. Yeah. I, love it. I appreciate you your realness. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It kind of it reminds me of your, your Delphi series. Tell, talk about that. Oh, yes. So, I love that. It's so good. <laughs> so this all started because basically I, I work so much. I have two jobs, basically. I kind of don't get time to ever, like, share my work. Or I wasn't really sharing a lot of my work on on social because I was just busy working. Um, And the only time I would like Instagram or story was either when I was out drunk or when I was on vacation. So people started to say to me, like, do you even have a job? Like, what do you do? Are you just on vacation all the time? Like, well, you're always out partying and drinking. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not. I like work harder than anyone. I just don't document that. Yeah. And then I was on vacation. I was like, as I normally do, I go on vacation. You're inspired. You post Mm -hmm. like 10 times a day. I got back and I was like, oh, I haven't like posted anything in a week. And then I was like, because no one wants to see me at my desk working. And then I was like, maybe they do. So I just posted this (laughs) photo literally at my desk and I called it a Delphi, like a desk selfie. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) And everyone was like, again, they're like, yeah. I was like, you know, real moments. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not always so glam. This is reality. Really? Like, this is what my life looks like 95% of the right, time. Right, Me in front of it, mm-hmm. a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, all right. So now we're going to go into our follower questions. Uh, these are kind of like rapid fire. Yeah. Um, so the first one is, what would you tell your 21-year-old self? To take care of yourself first. Oh, good one. Yeah. Um, advice for those who want to start their own brand. Just do it. Ooh. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. I really didn't know what I was doing and it sucked because it was hard, harder work. You know, you make a tiny mistake, you lose your own money. Yeah. It would have been great to have learned of someone, but equally, had I have learned too much, I never would have done it because I didn't know the nightmare I was walking into. So I'm kind of just like glad I didn't know yeah. and I just did it. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Learn by doing. I always yeah. say that. Exactly. Favorite fashion trend right now? I think the overall trend of getting dressed up. I think it's a swing back from athleisure, uh, which I think is cool and works if you're like 13, but I just can't really pull it off and I don't connect with it. Um, So I I don't know. I like this like bigger trend swinging back from that of just like making an effort. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, What are your thoughts on the new Celine direction? I don't like it. I understand that creative directors have their own direction but if Hetty wants to do what he wants to do like go do your own brand I think if you come into a fashion house like that you need to respect its brand identity and its history and its legacy and I think you can be so creative within constraints I think constraints in some ways make you more creative Mm -hmm. 
but it, it just looks like Saint Laurent or something else. It's like if you want to do that, you can do that. Go do your own label. Don't mm-hmm. don't do that with Celine. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. And I also think, to be honest, it's a bit arrogant to change a logo. Mm. Yeah. Like ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Sorry, Hetty. Okay. Good answers on all of those. Um, So what's next for you? Oh, that's a good one. We were were just talking about starting a podcast. Maybe you should sign me. Please do. I love to have you guys. Yes. I love that. We'll just continue the conversation. Yes. Um, I think that'll be fun. Um, Okay. So at Click, we're just expanding all of our influencer business. It's really exciting. There's still so many brands, as I mentioned, that are just new to influencer marketing, but have this trust with us because we've been partners with them for 10 years. So that's really exciting. Um, we also at Click have some really exciting new product lines coming oh, out. Cool. So we obviously have Who What Wear Collection now and Joy Lab, both mm-hmm, at Target, mm-hmm. but we're launching some other things in different categories and spaces, Ooh, which are super exciting. exciting and it's fun to be part of that development. Yeah. From, especially, you know, when you, you're working on a massive scale with um, yeah. with a brand like Target or whatnot. Um yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a lot. Yeah, cool. ticking along. Yeah. Measurely, I really want to do, I want to expand into bridal and swim. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Wow. I love that. So we'll do see. It. That's a, I have to, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But um, I'm planning my, I've just started planning my wedding and I'm working with this incredible company, Pronovius. They're, yeah. they're just awesome. And I've been, like, friends with them for years. I've always just kind of, like, they're family friends. I've, like, connected them, helped them out with influencer here and there. And so now they're like, Rach, it's your wedding. We'll give you as many dresses as you want. We'll design them from scratch. You can design oh your own gosh. fabric, whatever. Oh. So where I was going to, I was before, I was like, oh, I'm just going to wear, like, a simple silk slip. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like. Now you're doing the whole thing. The, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> well, now I'm having five dresses and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So Multiple like, outfit changes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So now I'm in this world of like wedding dress world, which is honestly all I care about. I'll probably have 10 dresses and get married in Taco Bell. <laughs> like I only really care about the dresses. I love that. Um, but I, I want somewhere to put all that inspo and I feel like uh, it would be really cool to do do some like more chill bridal. Wow. Um, it's really yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And where can people follow you? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Rachel Zellick, R-A-C-H-E-L-Z-E-I-L-I-C. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. You were awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rachel, for Thanks, coming Rach. on our podcast. Rach, <laughs> I don't think you know her that well Love yet. Her. Um, great personality. I actually saw her at an event this past weekend, wow. and I was like, oh. I love when I know. you drop these, like. What? <laughs> when I was at the Vogue Yeah, I was, like, at match. this event, and, like, a <laughs> keynote speaker, and, like, I met her. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, so she's really cool. Excited for her podcast to launch. And I think we all learned a lot. And I know Cole learned a lot. So (laughs) thank you guys for listening and tune in next week. Bye. Bye.